and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We're doing so on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and we're talking about the NBA, which uh, is a little bit difficult at this exact moment in our time. But uh, here we talk about the NBA. That's what we're going to do. So um, joining us from Dallas, Texas, it's Wednesday. It must be Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Uh, if anybody knows what it's like to be in a building that he's not wanted in, it's Ben McMahon. I'm going to steer very clear of that one. <laughs> Joining us from San Francisco, California, home of the Golden State Warriors, is Nick Friedel. Hey, Nick. B, McMahon, it's always great to be with you all. Whose awful idea was to invite this doofus on here? Yours. It was, it was yours. Only so I could say mean things. Today yeah. we are doing the Some grand. Tour. Today we are doing the grand tour of uh, the Friedel spheres of influence. If you um, did those Venn diagrams where these two come together, Nick would be in the middle of them. And um, we're going to start hamburgers. <laughs> Nick and I, <laughs> I know burgers. Uh, as if you haven't been out with burgers with us, uh, burgers, shakes, and other. Uh, beverages, man. Other beverages. Uh, I've just let you know I don't eat red meat. Is that I? I think I did know that. I'll I'm eat some turkey to... burgers. Even I've I've started going beyond burgers. I saw what I did for Chris Paul, and I'm like, damn. Let me try that. Does Chris Paul um do ve? Uh, does is he eat vegan, vegetarian in season, or just I, out of season? Uh, I I couldn't tell you the exact answer. I know this is something he did after his last year in Houston. And obviously, he had a pretty nice bounce back year with the old uh, Thunder last season. So when he came back from the All Star break. He had, I think, it was a hamstring injury, and he was out for a while. He came back from the All Star break. Um, he had been. He did not get named to the All Star team. And I remember uh, the Rockets played in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you were probably at that game, McMahon. Um, and. Uh, he has just come back from injury, and while he was away for that four or six weeks, I think is is when he um, uh, really got started changing some of his habits. He's been a different player since then, so uh, I'm not mad at you, uh, McMahon. Um, so anyway, the grand tour for uh, Friedel, I think we should start right there in San Francisco where the Warriors are uh, resurgent since Draymond Green returned, which apparently unlocked Steph Curry. He's had a couple of, of big games. Um, they do play uh, tonight, so uh, we'll see. <laughs> when 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 we last left you on the podcast, uh, Curry had uh, 31 points at halftime, and I made a flippant remark. Maybe we should have waited because he might score 60. Well, he did. Um, and Draymond, while his stats aren't great, if you watch the Warriors play, they look like a different team with Draymond. So, um, Friedel, you're uh, with the team virtually as much as possible. You're there. You've gone to the games. Um, is what we're seeing from the Warriors with these last couple of wins and Steph going off, is that sustainable? Or or is this just uh, one of those terrific Steph hot streaks? I think they're in a much better place than they were a week ago, B. But I don't am not ready to say that it's sustainable yet because – when you look at the roster, after Steph and after Draymond, it's still a question mark night to night what you're going to get from everybody else. Now, all three of us have seen Andrew Wiggins over time 
it's a roller coaster. He he seems to be on a, a higher note uh, for the time being, but we know how that goes. Kelly Oubre was two of thirty <laughs> over the first week shooting from the outside, and then he hit a couple. Uh, the other night and is blowing kisses to the Sacramento Kings bench like things were getting back to normal. So if two he can 30, that's like Fidel on the dating apps. Uh, well, hey, <laughs> I mean, he made those two count, though. <laughs> so, so that's always key. But but uh, as far as the Warriors go, I still remember us being on the pod a few weeks ago. And you asked me, is this a playoff team? And I thought about it for a little while. I still say yes. Mm-hmm. I still say that this team can Well, get remember, the... in 2021, uh, you have to be in the top 10 to exactly. quote, unquote, make the playoffs. Exactly. I, so... I, I think they might be better than a play-in team. I think they might be a top six team. And, you know, I always remember late in Jason Kidd's career, late during his time with the Mavericks, Rick Carlisle would always say, never underestimate greatness. And, you know, you're kind of like, well, yeah, but boy, he looks old. And then, sure enough, he plays a key role – on that championship team, Steph Curry's still in his prime. Why are why are we underestimating his greatness? And look, there's absolutely. a lot of star players in their primes who haven't been able to carry a team to the playoffs. Right, I hear you. I think Steph's more than a star, though. I mean, he he's a back to back MVP type of talent. Uh, obviously, he needs Draymond to fully. And look, when Steph's talking about you know the collective IQ of the team needs to improve when they're early on getting blown out, well. The best way to improve that is to bring back one of the most intelligent players in the league, and Draymond, who does so many things to to help unlock uh, Steph. And then, you know, to me, the big wild card is Weissman, who I mean, the talent is obvious, and I just think Weissman's going to benefit so much from playing with Draymond that Draymond will help speed up uh, his learning curve. And I mean, Wendy, I don't have to get you fired up about him. Mean, you were doing jumping jacks. Uh, cartwheels oh, even. I love Wiseman. Last, last time, I, and I love Wiseman. And I am, I am way, way in. high on him. You're oh, all yeah. in. And, and how excited is it going to be to see how much progress this guy, who basically didn't have a college career, so more or less he's fresh out of high school, uh, how much he can improve, and not not necessarily even the you know the scoring, the rebound, all, but how much he can improve doing the little things that help a team win over the course of the season, I mean, to me, I think, I think the Warriors just are going to be right there in the thick of, of teams that are, that are fighting to avoid the play in tournament. So Nick, I like, I know Bob Myers. I have immense respect for him. I have spent a lot of time talking to him. Same with Steve Kerr. I know the sensibility I've, I've been with these guys, you know, through championship runs. I've, I've been with them in moments where they've been very, you know, down. I've been with them in moments where they're drenched in champagne. I'm not, you know, as close to those guys as the guys who live in San Francisco or the guys who cover the team. Um, but I'm certainly, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much respect of, of what they, of their knowledge, and what they are. And those guys looked at this team, even after Clay was hurt, because they did the Ubre trade after Clay was hurt, which cost them a first-round pick and a lot of money. And they made that deal because those guys who are smart about basketball and realistic, because you know, they went into a little bit of they went into a tank last year. Okay. Um, they looked at this roster and said, we still think we can go with this team. Do you 
think that they still feel that way. I've watched what Steve Kerr has been very opportun very optimistic. He is he has led a rallying cry and he he thinks they're even ahead of schedule. Do you think that they still believe that? Do you think that they believe that this is a playoff team and that Steph can keep any type of this level up on a regular enough basis to do it? I think they're wavering a little bit, B, because they see the flaws that we've seen over the course of the first week or two, just like everybody else. Now, to Timmy's point, James Wiseman has been pretty solid in, I'd argue, having watched him a couple weeks ago to now, his feel is even better. So it's scary to think in two or three more months, he stays on the floor, he stays close to Draymond, he listens. They love the fact that he, and they've said it many times, he's like a sponge. He takes advice. He's not afraid. But he's to not going to affect, he's not going to raise their, he's not going to win them games. I'm not saying he won't occasionally do something that helps them win a game, but he is not going to lift them up. I, but I think defensively, he is going to help them at a much higher clip than a lot of people around the league believe now. Because they look at him, and your point is right. He played three college games. He's played a handful of NBA games. He just doesn't have much experience. But I'm saying in two or three more months on the defensive end, he's going to have more of an impact than people think. Now, to the point about can Steph keep this up, that's what scares me. And I think that's what would scare Bob and Steve. And this was going to be the case all along, but certainly you take Clay out of the picture and you just don't have a, a lot of help around him. When you're watching Steph Curry, it's a, it can get scary at times because they're throwing more bodies at him than you've ever seen. And guys, I think this part is crucial. Last year, they were supposed to go through this phase of not, uh, not having to – to, to kind of face the reality of losing KD and losing Andre Godala and losing Sean Livingston because Steph gets hurt and it's a wash quickly. Like a, the, a week into the season, they everybody's kind of going, all right, well, we'll play for next year and we'll hope we get a high pick. They're still having to go through that adjustment. They're still having to learn how to play with all these new guys who came in, like the Wiggins and the Ubres and the Wanamakers and uh, a rookie who you, last season, Eric Paschal now in his second year, who didn't get to play with Steph and, and got to play with Draymond here and there. This is a team that's adjusting. And B, the key to me is when you watch Steph, of course he can still play at the highest level. But can he do it night after night after night when he's getting body after body after body chasing him around? And you got to remember this too, guys. He's only played like 10 games in a year and a half. He's knocking off rust as we speak mm -hmm. as well. So uh, I, I am uh, still about where I was with this team, having watched him for two weeks. I believe they're going to be in the playoffs if everybody stays healthy, but I think it's going to be very, very close in the end. And uh, I'm, I'm a little more cautious than McMahon. I think they could be in that 7, 8, 9, 10 slot somewhere, and that's only, only if Steph and Draymond stay healthy and can still play at a high level. Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to watch it for a while. I mean, you know, they got a couple of months to decide which way they're going to go. But I do think they're going to have to decide. Well, and, and as much as the focus on Draymond is how he impacts things defensively, you know, being a former defensive player of the year and all that, I think he's a massive impact player for the Warriors offensively just because he yep. does make things a lot easier on Steph. And, and not in a way, like, obviously, he's not going to go score 
25 or 30 a night. He's not a threat to go for, you know, 60 like Clay Thompson, but he makes life so much easier. For, he unlocks Steph's potential just in the way that he can play make. He can create things for him. His screening, his passing, his intelligence. Uh, I just think he's it's it's not a coincidence that Steph busted out of his slump in historic fashion when Draymond got back on the floor. Timmy, you're absolutely right, and I'd add this. As great as Steph is, and he's one of the best players that, that I've seen. The best seen. shooter ever. Yeah, I mean, he, he absolutely. As great as he is, though, for all these younger guys, there is an awe that comes with Steph Curry that I think they're all still adjusting to. And Steve Kerr's talked about this a lot since the season started. It takes time to learn how to play with Steph because he's so much different than anybody else. You're getting looks on uh, on second or third times uh, running through sets that you wouldn't with any other guy just because Steph is moving all the time. And all these younger kids grew up watching Steph. And they're like, oh, my God, Steph Curry's on my team. James Wiseman said it the other night. Watching him knock down 62 was like – uh, watching 2K come to life because they're so used to playing with Steph in a video game, and there he is in real life. To the point about Draymond, Draymond is more tangible. Uh, he's almost more accessible because that aura, as great as it is that he's won titles and been a defensive player of the year, uh, he was there throughout most of last year. He went through the ups and downs with at least some of the guys on this roster, and he's the guy that can – fluctuate between yelling in somebody's face and screaming at him and then putting his arm around Wiseman and saying, okay, kid, this is what you have to do. This is where you need to be. So the person who would unlock Steph the most out of this whole group is absolutely Draymond because there's a comfort level for Steph Curry knowing that Draymond is on the floor and he can help him the most. And there's a comfort level for all these younger guys because uh, for all the superstar power that Steph has, Draymond is the big brother protector for this entire team. He's the one that is going to set the emotional tone, and he's the one that's going to get them in the right positions. And, Timmy, it's a great point because it's not just the right positions defensively. It's the offensive sets that Kerr and his staff are trying to run to free open some space for Steph Curry. And Steph stars within structure. Like he mm -hmm. needs things, he he needs the machine to be well oiled, and he stars with it. He's not James Harden, who, if four guys stand in their place, you're going to have a good offense just based on him iso. And it's a totally different type of superstar. How many teams in the league right now don't believe they can make the playoffs and are looking at the draft? I, I'm I'm avoiding the tanking words, but, but how <clears> many Oklahoma, teams? in the West? Oklahoma City. Sacramento, whether they admit it or not, <laughs> they'll get there soon. Sacramento and Minnesota are in that same. Yeah, group. so that's Minnesota those... does not have their pick unless it's in the top four, right? No, uh, Memphis, 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 Memphis realistically. Yeah, okay. I think it's top three. Top, okay, so yeah. Memphis so, realistically, especially with with the injuries, is is not going to be in the. Okay, but mix. but how many teams? How many teams are? Uh, I'm going to say those. Did we just name three or four in the West? I don't, I don't think you can include Minnesota in there. Mm, okay, well, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, they've got. They've got. Uh, let me let me look here. They have the worst point differential in the no, league no. so okay. far. So okay. yeah, okay. I'm just saying they don't control their pick. Right, but well, they might end up keeping that pick. Right, um, but they're they're not incentivized to lose. 
No, they're okay. The, the, B, they're the Houston Texans of the NBA this season. Okay. Yeah, Oklahoma City, Detroit. Chicago. Detroit's not really trying. They're going to fall into it, I think. Yeah, Chicago. I mean, oh, it's a like, short, to your point, it's it's a it's okay. a handful. It's a very All short right. list. So and it's a good draft, right? It's loaded. Would you argue that the market inefficiency this year could potentially be to tank? Sure. Yeah. I think Sam Presti would argue it probably because there's 20 teams, like I said, there's 20 teams that are kind of kind of make the playoffs. We've never seen that before. And then there's going to be teams that are on the, on the periphery that are trying to get in that 20. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and as we've talked about on this pod before, there are, is there, there's, the teams are grouped together pretty tightly. Now, we'll see uh, what happens with Houston if they make a trade where they gut their team with Harden and they go for picks. But we'll see what happens with Houston. They're kind of, they could swing. But there's going to be but, some. But Houston's not incentivized either because they've got even the, it's with the Thunder, but it's also with Miami's pick as far as swap rights. But is it protected? Yeah, but it's it's very lightly okay. protected. Good, it's a good point. Okay, my point is is that there's a market inefficiency out there in in tanking this year. Um, and uh, you know we're going to talk about the Knicks in a minute, and and I think they're going to end up staring that in the face, but. Uh, and I think that has to inform the way the Warriors look at things in six or seven weeks. So I would say they have, you know, a month to two months here to see where they are. Um, and if they're not, and the reason is because look at where they are. They have Curry, they have Draymond, and let's knock on wood and hope that Clay comes back reasonably able to play at a high level in a year. And Which, then they ha- looking at John Wall and Kevin Durant. I don't think is a, you know. Well, that's true, but he's coming off of a he's coming off an ACL. It's it's a it's a high bar, but let's hope that that is, let's hope that there's a new page coming on Achilles rehab. Right. That uh, does that. So then they have Wiseman, and then they have the Minnesota pick if it doesn't fall in the top three, and then they would have their pick. So they would potentially have two lottery picks. And theirs have a bite at the apple of getting back into the top four in a loaded draft with their veterans. Now, you may say, well, we just lost a year of Steph Curry's career. Why would we do this again? And it's not, it may just be the best decision. So this is what I'm just saying. I'm not saying they would come to that today, but I'm saying that they're a team that you need to watch. And, you know, what are they? Are they, are they three and four, Nick? Four and three. Four they're four and, three. and they're four and three with Steph Curry leading the league in scoring. They're tied for fourth in the West. Let's just let's just keep an eye on that. Because with where their team is and where this draft is, now they could say, look, uh, thanks to Minnesota, thanks to the trade we made with Minnesota, we have a, a we're gonna have a spot in the lottery. We have the luxury of going forward and trying to make the playoffs with Steph and Draymond and knowing that we're gonna get a good player in this draft. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. But I'm just saying, let's watch what happens there. Let's see if Steph can keep this up and if they can keep this up. And there's one more thing to keep in mind there, B, in, in this part of the conversation, is if for whatever reason Steph or Draymond goes down and things start to look like they're going bad again, you also wonder, would they move Kelly Oubre and save well, and that, a boatload well, that's the of thing. millions on the that's, tax that wouldn't the be thing. there? 
if you're going to pay, you know, I don't know where the, the, the tax number is going to come down because the tax teams are getting a discount. I, I talked to Bobby about this, actually, uh, uh, the other day. Bobby said that in a normal world, it would be $78 million. But because of the tax savings, because of the way the league has it structured, it would probably come down uh, around 36 or $38 million. Uh, that they would have to pay if they keep him and they go through it all. So that's a couple, the number. And there's a couple of teams out there, like the Knicks have a big salary cap space, and there's a couple of big uh, Giants um, uh, trade exceptions out there um, that you could use to, to offload money. Even if they're not with those teams, you could do three-way deals. There's the ability to, to move off of money. And I don't want to rain on their parade. Um, I am very happy when Steph is going off and scoring, and it's fun to watch him and – and you know, seeing seeing the the fourth quarter of that game the other night where he's posing and he's knocking down those three pointers in motion. Um, that, but maybe I, I'd add this too. That was to me the saddest basketball moment of this new kind of stretch that we're in for the league in pandemic basketball. To sit in that arena, to sit in Chase Center, and watch Steph knock down shot the, after the, shot. The after greatest, shot. the greatest arena in the world right now. Right. And, and to see, I mean, there weren't maybe a hundred people in there total and he's looking up, he had a, a shot midway through the fourth. He's looking up in the stands because nobody draws more emotion right. and excitement from the, from a fan base that Steph Curry does when he gets rolling and there's nobody up there. It's blue tarps. <laughs> I mean, I it was such a strange scene. This, after this that $1.5 billion. Oh, so glorious, like the, he, glorious yeah, he, building. And it's just, uh, it's just, it's it was built for those Steph Curry moments. Exactly right. You know, he's looking up in the stands, B, after the game, and he's pointing up at his wife Aisha, and there's maybe I don't know thirty family and friends up there from uh, from different players who who brought family in, and he's pointing up at her and he's smiling, and this this still s- sticks out to me. He's Joe Lake of the owner came over and offered him some words, and Damian Lee, his, uh, his teammate and his brother-in-law, is dumping water on his head. Steph finishes his post-game interview. He high-fives our friend Raymond Ritter, who is uh, the the senior vice president of communications who's been with the Warriors forever. High-fives Ray. peanut M&M man. Yeah, there, there you go, the peanut M&M man. So he high-fives Ray, and that's it. He walks off the floor. There's no noise. They've turned the music off. It was the saddest thing as a basketball fan. Yeah, uh, that I've seen as we've all gone th- gone through this because there was no emotion on a night when the three of us know for certain it would have been insane in there, just completely insane, and it was yeah. silent. I, I, as I he walked to, off the floor. I was at the garden the night. I think he had fifty six or fifty seven. Fifty four. Fifty four. Uh, I mean, he he had already sort of established who he was, but that was where the Warriors were beginning mm-hmm. to roll down the runway as an organization. The next year, I think, was the year where they um, they started really going. Uh, uh, but, you know, seeing Steph Curry put up 50 in the Garden, you know, the Garden fans got into it because yep. that's yeah. the nature of it. So, that I mean, that was a, one of the more memorable games I've ever been to. Well, the, um, the, the, there's nothing like the sound when Steph is hot and he lets a three go, whether it's a 35-footer or whatever – and there's a gasp until the ball either goes, you know, there's a gasp until the ball is either a make or miss. And then the crowd either explodes or kind of one of those, ah, but it, there's nothing like that sound of the gasp when, when a hot Steph lets a, lets a shot go. 
Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, so now uh, moving on to one of Nick's favorite guys. One of the great things ever to do. The man who made Fidel a meme. (laughs) One of the great things ever to do is to be at a press conference, not really a conference. You want like, you know, I don't know if we'll ever do these again, but the, the scrum, the scrum, the pre or post game scrums with, with Tom Thibodeau and Nick Friedel. And the last time I actually was at one was in LA where Tibbs was the coach of the, of the wolves. And Nick, you just happened to be there and we reprised your old role from Chicago. Um, but it's, uh, it's two men at the top of their games. Uh, going at each other in a special kind of battle. Um, but you've spent a lot of time around Tibbs. And, you know, the, the Knicks uh, play tonight. We'll see if they stay above 500. They are four and three. Um, you know, are you surprised? They're, they're, they're smoke and mirrors um, altogether. They're, they're 27th in offense and 11th in defense. Um, <laughs> they... Um, their their opponent's shot quality. Uh, I don't I don't remember the name of this metric. I'm not smart enough. I'd need to get Pelton uh, on here. Uh, but uh, their opponent's shot quality versus their percentage is like the biggest in the league. Like they're they're quote unquote getting lucky a little bit. Their their opponents are uh, expected shot percentage versus actual shot percentage is the biggest spread. So there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors going on. Having said that, this is the first time in eight years that the Knicks are above 500 seven games into the season. Eight years. They, like By this time, they're already, they're, their fans are already used to them being one and six, two and five, you know, on a four-game losing streak. And they came in with such low expectations with the Crosstown Nets starting off on fire. Um, there were stories last week about how local TV ratings in New York, the Yes Network, was actually surpassing MSG. That the, that the Nets were getting better local ratings than the Knicks were. So this is a, even if it's just a couple of week positive story, it is a positive story that the Knicks and their fans needed. And probably not a surprise. Be, and, the, and the players, Nick, are all, you know, I saw quotes from Julius Randle and um, I'm trying to think who else I saw, who are like, He's holding us accountable. There's only one way to play. It's to play hard. They're playing like this, this inspired brand of basketball. Like we're in the Tibbs honeymoon. W- when you're seeing this, what are you thinking? I'm not surprised at all, B. There is no team that Tom Thibodeau is better suited to coach than the team that 
the world thinks isn't supposed to be very good that he can motivate to a different level. And what I would argue is, because I can hear the Minnesota fans now, well, how come he didn't do that in the beginning with the Timberwolves? That team sucked. Well, I think part of it is that he clearly that team sucked. <laughs> right, exactly. Not only did that team suck, but there's a roster full of guys. At least it appears when I've got a disappointing that was a disappointing team and a disappointing uh, no doubt and there's a roster full of guys on this Knicks team that love the game and that aren't afraid to be coached and whether that can last over the course of the next four or five months uh, we'll see but guys you bring Tom Thibodeau in to set a culture to create a culture and he has a history of doing that Uh, time and again when you look at Chicago when you look at Minnesota when he, he brought in uh, Jimmy. And when they made their one playoff I was going to say when they KG's got to the playoffs. Day. And now you're starting to see it early in New York. And uh, I, I laughed when all these people were like, well, the Knicks will still be awful. Tom Thibodeau is not going to allow any team to just roll over. And if you put the right guys around him who want to live – work and breathe basketball he is going to get them to play at a different level than they have throughout the entirety of their career and i am so fascinated as somebody who has watched tibbs for years and years to see what happens when the knicks if they can land a star or two can play in that kind of environment in MSG with Tibbs running the show because B, the, the fans the fans at MSG would be head over heels. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it, it is a match made in heaven like, for all those long suffering Knicks fans to rally behind the guy who will bark and scream and growl for forty eight minutes every night. Watching that marriage take place, if he can make that team good and get a star two at the Garden, oh my God, that would be fun. Yeah, so like, there's obviously no uh, fans in there tonight, but um, if the Garden was full tonight, the Jazz are playing in there tonight, coming off this road trip where they were four and three, when the Garden would give that team a, a hug. Even knowing that they're, you know, they're probably not headed for greatness, they would give that team a hug because they're so starved for it, and they appreciate this level of play. And no matter what you want to say about Tom Thibodeau, he does have a standard that he is going to coach. It doesn't always work. It, It it ran its course in Chicago and never took hold in really in Minnesota, primarily because he had young guys there who just didn't like. I don't think Carl Towns. Carl Towns absolutely did not. He didn't yeah. buy him when they were when they're in the play. And, I mean, I covered that. Right. Yeah, and, and Towns and Tibbs going at each and other. And I just don't time. like. I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, it's not Wiggins doesn't like guys getting in his face. And I think Zach Levine was a little bit more amenable to it. But those three guys are not. You know, their personalities didn't go. That's why Tibbs is like, get me, Jimmy. You yeah. know. Um. Uh. But I mean, I would. I. I wish that the garden could just have this moment tonight, no matter where they are in two weeks or three weeks from now. Well, and you know, the, the one big knock on Tibbs is that he wears his stars out. Well, uh, Julius Randall, I think is leading the league in minutes. No, he's not. No, <laughs> he's, he's not. not. RJ Barrett is. Randall's second. <laughs> okay, Randall's second. Team. My bad. My bad. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. There, <laughs> RJ Barrett at 38.8. 
<laughs> Randall at 38.4. They are 1-2 in the league in uh, in minutes. And look, Barrett's 20 years old. Rand- Randall's and 26. They've had, some, they've had some injuries, and they're not very deep. Right. I mean, I, so, right. right. I tell you what, though, man. Julius Randall, and, and you know, we'll, we'll see if this lasts, but there's no question that seven games in, he's playing at an all-star level. This dude's putting up 22-11-7. and seven He's averaging that, seven and a half assists. He's never averaged more than three. Yeah. He's playing yeah. point forward. And and he's he's been phenomenal. But can he keep that up in a condensed schedule playing 38-plus minutes per night? I mean, night? look, I mean – Alec Burks, the Alec Burks is going to be out of why he's got an ankle injury. He's putting up good numbers. He's shooting it. Yeah. Um, you know, here I go being the voice of front office reason. Should they, <laughs> again, let's talk about market inefficiency. It's never going to happen. You, we're talking about the same. You don't, bring, you don't bring in tips. Of tank. It's never no, no, going to no, happen. No, it's no, I'm not never going to happen. So, let me ask a question before we asked about the who the um we before we asked about who the tankers might be. Who are the teams out there? We're early, but who are the teams out there that you think will be selling talent that will be saying our players are available? I yeah, I mean I could see who who are they selling though? Julius Randle. Hmm? Hmm. Alec Alec Burks. I mean, let's not act like you're getting a ton for Alec Burks, no well, matter what he's done in three games that he's played this year. But yeah, uh, Randall, I mean, Randall, there, there's something that would make sense there. Unfortunately, Toppin got hurt, but there's no question that Toppin is is a dynamic, exciting young talent. Um, and and obviously those two guys play the same position. This so is I'm where just, we're this is where yeah. we're going to find out just how strong that relationship with Leon Rose is. I mean, there's the other thing. The Knicks have 19 Truly. million. The Knicks still have 19 million dollars in salary cap space. I mean, Tibbs could say, "Well, come on, get, go get me another another shooter." You yeah. Know? I mean, uh, I mean, this Knicks team. I feel like if we're gonna have Tibbs impersonations on here, they have to come from Fredell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, ter- I, I'm terrible. I, you're so right, McMahon. I mean, I am, seriously, stay up, like- stay up, stay up. Ice, 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 ice. Oh man. Oh. Feels good to. Uh, this is like giving the last the shot. Role. This is like if Tibbs gave the last shot to Dennis Smith Jr. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> I mean, Tibbs. The magic is in the work, Windhorse. Let's go. <laughs> the best, the thing about Tibbs, uh, you know, I, I went to several games in Minnesota when he was there, and God, did they hate him in Minnesota. I remember I went to, I went to the first, the home opener after Jimmy Butler demanded a trade. And um, this is after the whole practice shenanigans and uh, they started on the road and, you know, so this is Jimmy's first game after the demanded a trade home opener. And um, I think they were playing Utah and uh, <laughs> they introduced Jimmy and the, the, the crowd boos him, of course. And then they introduced Tim, you know, and the, and the Timberwolves head coach is Tom Thibodeau. He got, a, he got booed louder than Jimmy did. Oh, boy. Um, but, you know, just seeing Tibbs, you know, stalk the sideline there with the, with the shaking hand, you know, he's always got the shaking hand cause he's so locked into the game, calling out the pick and roll coverages. And, you know, Glenn Taylor, who is the, the wolves owner, who's who, you know, is, you know, I want to be clear. He's a, he's a ruthless businessman. I mean, the guy is, you know, the richest man in Minnesota for a reason. He's not afraid to uh, 
cut people loose and stuff like that. But, you know, he's sitting there like three seats down from the Wolves bench and he hugs the players as they go out on the court. And he, inv he invites them over every year to his house for his wife to make lasagna. It's a famous thing that they do every year. And Tibbs is standing, you know, one foot from him dropping F-bombs. <laughs> it's just, you know, he, you know, it's just, it just, it was not a good fit. It was just not a good fit. Um, but, you know, I think in New York, that works. They want to see that from their I mean, country. in New York, they they drop F-bombs while exchanging pleasantries. Right. So it's a perfect fit. This is, hey, guys, this reminds me of one of our, one of my favorite tweets of all time. It comes from our former colleague, uh, who B, you worked with in Minnesota, Mike Wallace. And this is during some Heat Bulls game of years gone by. And he says something to the effect of, I didn't know Jesus Christ had a middle name until the Bulls were up 20 in the third quarter and Tibbs was upset about a defensive rotation. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that sums up the the, the aura of Tibbs, the Tau of Tibbs, uh, about as well as as anything I've seen. But, you know, for, is an for an intense of a guy as he is, you know him, Nick. He's that he's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> like when you talk to him away from the wait, you know, I don't know if you ever can talk to him away from the game. He's a great you know, so I've I've done some TV with him when he was on his his year away. He came in and did some TV with um with us at ESPN. So I spent some time in the green rooms with him. He's and plus, you know, I've just spent time with him, you know, away from the court other times. He's a great guy. But you know what's funny, Nick? I couldn't get away with, like, taking a video of it. But, like, we were doing Countdown one night, like, two years ago. And as he's doing analysis, like, pregame and stuff, his, his, his hand's on the desk and it's, it's doing the shake. Going. <laughs> because he's focused, you know. Um, but It's amazing you know, to drop any F-bombs during his ESPN appearance. <laughs> yeah, I know. They were they had their finger on the button. Um, you think about when he was in Houston. He was an assistant in Houston. When Jeff Van Gundy was the coach, he was the lead assistant or the second lead assistant, and Steve Clifford was the uh, the other lead assistant. All three of those guys known for just working 22-hour days. And I've heard some like legendary stories about how that they would be on a road trip and the plane would come back and land. Um, and, and those guys would, you know, go into the arena and work straight through the night and look, watching film and then just be there for practice the next morning and like not have gone home. Um, and this is like, this is who Tibbs is. Um, and, uh, you know, like he has a track record of, of doing well. I mean, the, the, the Timberwolves have missed the playoffs in 15 of 16 years. Who got them in? It was mm -hmm. Tibbs in his second year. The first year didn't go so well. The second year, third year, it went sideways when Jimmy wanted out, but he got them in like, um, and so it will be interesting to see as this season goes along, whether the Knicks can hang, can hang number one. I just don't know if they have the talent to do it. And, and RJ Barrett has been up and down, um, he's had some games where he hasn't been able to hit anything. He's had other games where I think he's had two games where, he hits, where he's hit seven threes and other games where he's been like, I think he's shooting like 10% in his other games. So I don't know where RJ is going to go and we'll see where Toppin goes, but it will be interesting to see if they're messing around, if they're still hanging around, if the Tibbs effect keeps going. And like I said, the, the indicators on the dashboard say that they're playing over their head right now. Do they, do they say, Hey, listen, we got to sell some of these players some of these veterans. They've got some nice young pieces though. 
They do. Barrett. And they should get another high draft pick in this draft. And they well, have the Mavericks pick, right? I mean, the Mavericks yeah. will make the playoffs, but they'll have two picks in the draft, right? Right. Barrett, Toppin, Emmanuel quickly. I still think there's something to salvage with uh, with Knox. I might be wrong about that. But they've got some interesting young talent on that team. Robinson. Yeah, Robinson's kind of, you know, he's he's up for – his contract is up this year. He could have gotten an extension – before the season, he ended up not getting an extension, and I believe he changed agents. Um, I don't know what you pay that guy. I don't know, yeah. you know, he's. But your point about him being a uh, a big time athlete is true. I mean, he's uh, a freakishly athletic seven footer. Yeah, and and I'd add this, guys. We're talking about Julius Randle and the impact he's had and the minutes he's playing. It's the exact same story as Lou Aldang. It's it's the exact same thing. You know what, yeah. Nick? You're right. That's the way Luol. That's the way Luol played. And you know, um, he Tibbs created his offense at one time around a point center. Yeah, with Joe Kim Noah. Tibbs has done this before. He he's seen it before. And remember, he tried the the Bulls tried. Well, they they didn't try. They traded Luol Deng. They were trying to tank at that season and and who led them all the way back into the playoffs with a, a raggedy roster with uh, the questions surrounding Derek and was and that Joe. the Nate Robinson year? Yeah, you, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was either the Nate Robinson year or it was when they got drilled by the Wizards. It's all blurring together now in the first round, but he got them back into the postseason after they made that move. And he got that team to rally around the belief that nobody believed in them. And that's why that this is a, a quintessential Tibbs moment in time, because this is the grinder of grinders. And B, you mentioned the Jeff Van Gundy, uh, the guys that he's learned from. I, Ian O'Connor uh, wrote a really nice piece a few weeks ago about Tibbs. And he interviewed Van Gundy and he interviewed a bunch of people who know Tibbs. And it's, it goes back to what you were saying about being actually a genuinely good guy behind the scenes. I talked to him for a, a long time last year before a, a, a Warriors game, and it was the same thing it seemed like Van Gundy was telling him and the same thing that all his close friends are telling him. Be human. <laughs> Be human outwardly uh, because there is a different side to Tom than, than he allows people to see when he's barking up and down the sidelines and that his team sees, but he doesn't always allow people in the building, in the offices to see. And if there was one piece of advice as he enters into this new stretch, that's what it would be. Because on top of being a hell of a coach to get the, the most out of the, the roster, if he could allow himself to, to ease up a little bit with people that are in the organization and that are, he's dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, I think that would help him immensely. And that would be the growth. People are always like, oh, how's he going to change this time, that time? Basketball-wise, he's not going to change that much. The person-to-person -person interaction and all these buildings, <laughs> uh, yeah, I that's remember, what he can change. I remember when he went to the Timberwolves and it was like, Oh, this is, you know, he's not going to play these guys into the ground. This is, this is, <laughs> this is Tibbs 2.0. And right, uh, right. it was not Tibbs 2.0. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. 
shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, well, going along the same line, another pleasant surprise uh, in the East, at least at the moment, are the Chicago Bulls, who came back from 20 down Tuesday night in Portland to win. The Bulls' first three games of this season uh, were as bad as the first three. What was that one year where the uh, the um, the the Sixers started out like Owen fifteen or something? What was that? Uh, but it was along the same lines. The performance that they had, I feel, were on the same lines. Uh, the Bulls looked so bad in the first few games of the season, and I was like, "This team was not supposed to be this bad." And Nick, your old stomping grounds. They've played better and better and better, and they got something going now. Again, I don't know how long it'll last, but they got something going. Uh, B, I think the the difference is so clear. It's that Billy Donovan is a heck of a coach. He knows exactly what he wants to do so far early in the year. These guys have bought into the system that he's trying to put in place, and I thought the most honest comments coming off those Zooms at the end of that Trailblazers game were Zach Levine. He was asked, would you guys have won this game last year? <laughs> and he says, flatly, no. Uh, and and that's a knock on Jim Boylan, and that's a knock on the system and the culture that's been in place within the framework. Well, Zach of, Levine did not like Jim Boylan at all. Well, I mean, amongst but, people didn't like Jim Boylan. I was going to say, but, but, but that was a long, long list. That was a long, long list of people in Chicago, and, and we're talking about Tibbs and – and getting along better, not only sometimes with players who always seem to adore him at first, but the people in the organization. The amount of people who did not like Jim Boylan in that Bulls organization from top to bottom is staggering. In all my years covering the league, I can never remember so many people just being outward like, is this guy for real? Like, are we serious here? And so to get a pro in there like Billy Donovan, uh, no matter what happens with this roster, and that's going to be crucial because I don't know if they can keep this up. And as far as selling uh, players down down the line, the Bulls are a, a top candidate because they have some nice young pieces. But to get Donovan in there when they did and to allow him with Karnasovas and Eversley to finally have this this new beginning that they've needed for so, so long after all the years with Garm Pax, it's, it's just been much needed for uh, an organization that knew it was behind the times. And finally, they're starting to see some progress uh, in the form of not just the coach, but uh, in players that are believing that they can win on a nightly basis. McMahon, it kind of seems like a bit of the same thing. It's like a breath of fresh air. Although, like I said, I, I was nervous about that first start, that start, but it's like a breath of fresh air. And even though this team may not be headed for the playoffs, just a breath of fresh air feels so much better. It, it refreshes everybody. Yeah. And they've done this, you know, they've had this nice little stretch without marketing who, uh, without four guys, including well, marketing. Somebody could argue that that may mm -hmm. be related. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting, to me, what, what happens with him 
is one of the most interesting things about this team. Because I don't, I don't think the Bulls are going to be in the mix. I think they'll end up with a nice lottery pick. Um, you know, maybe some of these young guys that are on the roster that are in their future plans will develop. And but you know, Billy Donovan didn't take that job thinking it was a win now situation. He knew there was going to be some, you know, some building that had to happen there. Um, Markinen though, he he's a guy who. His rookie year, I thought he was going to be a star. Me too. Me too. I really did. I remember, yeah. you know, because this is a seven footer who can obviously shoot the three. And I just remember looking over um, when they were in Dallas, looking over in uh, in the layup line and watching him easily put it between his legs and throw it down. Thinking, geez, I didn't know he had that kind of athleticism. And then Dirk actually mentioned that post game. Somebody asked him, "What do you think of this kid?" Because you know, any seven footer who can shoot. That's European. Right. Obviously, right. you can ask Dirk about him. And Dirk mentioned that he saw that was just like, oh my god. Uh, but he just, you know, I, it's he hadn't improved since then. Um, it, I just wonder. I wonder what, if anything, the you know they can get for him, and if he's not a guy who needs a change of scenery to uh, to take off, or maybe he just is what he is. Well, there's a couple of guys who did not get extensions who. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch. The other guy would be John Collins. Um, He's playing Atlanta. really well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Collins is uh, Collins is a, you know, big-time athlete who, uh, terrific pick-and-roll guy, but has been miserable on defense. But right. trading for either player, you're trading for them saying, this is a guy we think we're going to pay. Right. You know, if you're going to give any sort of asset. And, you know, Markinen locked horns with with Boylan about his role often, right, Nick? I mean, so Boylan wanted him to play, wanted him to be more physical because he thought guys were playing him too much to shoot the three. He was just begging him to just be a little bit physical and, you know, it wasn't really his game. And, you know, um, you know they just they never seemed to have a rhythm. So, you know, getting going this year for Markinen is huge because, like I said, I said about a few weeks ago, from what I understand, their discussions about a contact extension, they were way apart. Way, way, apart. way, 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 way apart. And for Markinen, Timmy, you you said exactly what I thought when I watched him, especially early on. I thought he was going to be that good. They thought, the Bulls mm-hmm. did, that he was going to be that good. And if you're hoping that the Bulls can turn it around, so much of that centers around, can you unlock something out of Lowry Markkinen that nobody has seemed to since early in his rookie year? Uh, and I get the sense when I watch him be that his confidence that was shaky these last few years, I, I don't think that has changed too much. And it's the same yeah. idea. I was sitting there at the Garden in his rookie year, and he's putting up like 35 and 17 or whatever he did, and you're going, oh, this is it. They've got their guy. Uh, they they can build around, and yeah, uh, that's the hardest part both for the Bulls and the Knicks. And, of course, there are going to be the Tibbs comparisons because of his ties to both teams, but uh, neither of those teams has a star. And Markkanen was supposed to be the guy. He's not. Levine always thought he was the guy. He's not. Uh, Levine's the closest thing they have. Yeah, no doubt. But he's he's probably the third option on a really yeah. good team. So yeah, you um, get a star. I don't know what you do uh, aside from just continuing to build the culture as both Tibbs and Billy D are trying to do. I'm I'm I love watching Kobe White play because I just love the way he looks for his shot. 
Um, he's just so aggressive. He's so talented, but he is all over the place, man. I mean, he had a, he had a good game last night, but like there have been games where he's like just awful. And um, <clears throat> I think Billy Donovan has even admitted we're having him play point guard. I know it's not. Oh yeah. The, uh, ain't a point guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. The guy you would, he, be... he he's eventually probably going to be a jet Terry type of sixth man. Right, he, he he has some Lou Williams in his game. Yeah, Lou right? Williams type of yeah, a, a guy who he's a he's a gunner off the bench. But he I was a number I, six pick. I mean, you know, you pick six or seven, right? I mean, hey, if you can get if you can get a six man of the year candidate, then let's not act like that's a well, you know okay. a bad that's thing fair. to be. That's an impact yeah. player. I remember Zach Lowe. I forget what it, it was. I don't know if he's one of his ten things or whatever it was. Zach Lowe mentioned him last year, and he referred to him as an inveterate chucker. <laughs> I had to look up inveterate. I might not be pronouncing that word right, but once I looked it up, I was like, yep, that fits. Yeah. Well, they've been aided. Uh, um, Thaddeus Young missed some time at the start of the season because he was coming back from MRSA, which is scary as hell. Um, and that's helped him. And um, Otto Porter has had some good games. That That's a – I don't know what his trade value would be. He's on the yeah. last year of his contract. That would be a trade – He's you know, the contract number is big, but that would be an right. interesting guy. I don't know if his future is there. But um, – and then they've got, uh, you know, this Patrick Williams pitch. is a talent. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting how many weeks before we talk about the Bulls and Knicks again on the podcast, because, you know, the Bulls are on a West Coast trip and they could get hit right in the teeth. But uh, I think it's it's a it's a reminder of just how sort of scattered this season is, as we, you know, a team like the Bulls, who I was like horrified might be like a. Uh, a 15 win team at the start uh, they have uh, rallied and then uh the knicks uh getting above 500 uh this far into the season for the first time in eight years so uh tip our cap to them um all right well, hold, go on, ahead. hold on now that we, we, we've got for dell and i know that the kings aren't necessarily one of his teams but they're kind of like a bay area stepchild type of situation there <laughs> can we talk about what a circus it is what is it with luke walton and number two overall picks whose dads want to bitch and moan I mean, you got the dad of an underachieving player tweeting trade demands in the middle of a freaking game. What the hell is going on with that? That seems to be a tagline for the Kings for like the last decade and a half. What the hell is going on with that? <laughs> and they, 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 they had stuff going. You know, they, they were on a little bit yeah. of a run there. Yeah. Marvin Bagley III is shooting 36% from the floor. And, oh, sure, let's trade Marvin back. What the hell do you think you're getting? What, like, what are the Kings going to get for Marvin Bagley right now? Three in and out burgers? Not Luka Doncic. <laughs> no, not Luka Doncic. Not Jaron Jackson Jr. Not Trey Young. <laughs> Whoops. Just to name the three guys picked right <laughs> after him. Well, that was a key moment in time. That, that <laughs> Vladi David, Vladi Divas couldn't even get a, a a pack of cigarettes for him. And well, Vladi's the guy who knows about cigarettes. Um, all right, well, we're running out of time. I didn't mean to cut you off on this, McMahon, but we're running out. No, of I time. just wanted. To, I just that that's all I've got to say about the Kings. <laughs> uh, I happen to think that Marvin is a great guy. I really like him, and um, I. Hope that this goes well for him, but it's been a rough go, and I don't know if it's going to go well. Sacramento, I think there's uh, there's just baggage is being added all the time, and I don't know if it's going to go well in the NBA. He's talented. 
It's just that he lives in a world where he was the number two pick taken against Luca. Uh, we've and, seen and, a lot of talented players who things went haywire early on and they never got on track. We've also seen guys rally back. Uh, he's had injuries and he's had bad luck. But uh, he lives in a he lives in a situation where he he you know the the general manager who took him made in mm-hmm. my mind one of the more unforgivable mistakes I've seen in eighteen a years. A fireable offense. And he was fired. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was fired. But but firing him doesn't fix it. It doesn't nope. change the situation. So um all right. Well, thank you to Nick. By the way, neither does his dad tweeting trade demands, but go on. And he didn't react to it really well, too. He kind of went into a shell for two yeah. days about it, which which that actually made me I was like, you know, know your son. If your son is going to react to it like this, you should know better than not to do that. And I know he's done stuff like that in the past. Yeah, it didn't have all it does is heap pressure on this kid's shoulders i agree um all right uh thank you to nick thank you to mcmahon thank you to troy back in bristol and by the way um i want to give a shout out to the woge pod uh check out their latest episode he has an interview with the jazz's new owner ryan smith um who talks about the process of uh of buying the jazz and uh he first tried to get the uh the miller family to go in on a soccer team with him he's like hey you want to buy a soccer team together like nah He's like, well, what if we buy a soccer team and we make the Jazz and the soccer team like the same entity? It was like sort of his backdoor way of saying, let's if I can get my hands on part of the Jazz. Like, well, what would you offer for the Jazz? So anyway, he tells that story to Woj. Uh, check that out. Um, thanks for listening to Hoop Like the Podcast. We'll talk to you later. Adios, amigos. Adios, amigos.